tuned to Everything You Need Is Within, a Spotify Greenroom live audio show and podcast produced by and for Gen Z. With me, your host, Gigi Robinson. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Everything You Need Is Within. I have the amazing Candy Washington here with me tonight. I am so, so excited to introduce you all to her and her work because we have been connected for a couple of months now, probably since uh, early 2021. And it's just been so great to have her self-care content pop up on my feed. Um, she's also just become such a source of wisdom and uh, you know inclusivity and inspiration for me um, over the past couple of months. And I really hope that this conversation helps anybody dealing with mental health, advocating for it, and also dealing with kind of acting and fame and how that like goes into uh, playing different roles and producing different content across different platforms. So without further ado, Candy, hello. Hi, Gigi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very humbled and grateful for our time together. So thank you so much. Ah, <laughs> likewise, likewise. Why don't you go ahead and tell the people a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, just like your journey. And you could just go whichever which way you feel it. Okay, sounds good. So hello, everyone. I'm Candy Washington, and I'm the founder of 1214 Media Productions, where we create inspiring content across TV, film, digital, and publishing platforms. It's my personal and professional purpose to add value to the lives of others through storytelling. So the way I see storytelling, it really encompasses all of that, whether it's through my podcast, which is Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, that really just gives people snackable, tangible, and practical ways to live a more joyful life. It's not all about face masks and spa days, but it's really about healthy communication, healthy self-concept, taking the time to love yourself, creating boundaries, all of the things that go into becoming the highest, most empowered version of yourself. I also believe storytelling is social media, whether it's an Instagram story, an IGTV series, a photo, um, whatever it is, or YouTube, Spotify, Green Room, um, Twitter. We're all just telling each other these little micro stories, whether it's through 120 you know, characters or through a 20-minute live on YouTube. We're just telling stories. So I always want to make sure that anytime I interact with someone or have contact with someone um, or I'm posting, it's meaningful. You know, there, there's an intentionality behind it, and I want to add value to what I'm doing. Um, also, encompassing storytelling is also acting, uh, you know, whether it's I'm doing a web series or producing my own film or, you know, being on a TV show or whatever it is, that's still a form of storytelling. And I always want to make sure that any role I do, I bring authenticity and humanity to it. And then also storytelling, of course, is writing, you know, whether it's uh, the books that I write or the scripts that I write, again, I just want to make sure that it's rooted in the human experience. And when somebody interacts with or consumes the content that I create, not only are they educated or have some type of value add, but they're also inspired to do something themselves. They're inspired to act. They're, and by act, I mean just like to actually do something. I don't mean inspired to like act on the screen or anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's kind of that's me. And that's kind of like all the buckets that I 
that I do. Um, my story is I grew up in upstate New York. So from a very normal, humble family. So no, yeah, 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 go keys. Um, and so no ties to entertainment or wellness industry or any of that stuff. Like it was just very like normal. Um, then I went to Georgetown and I studied philosophy and government and I was going to go to law school after, but decided that I really did not want to be a lawyer. I I probably wanted to play one on TV instead <laughs> or, you know, write the story that they're telling rather than actually be a lawyer. So I decided to not go to law school. I moved to New York City. I got an internship at Louis Vuitton in their PR department. And that's when I really learned about uh, the power of telling stories visually because I got to, you know, do the showroom. I got to interact with the publicists and the editors and all the people would come in and I'd really have to pitch a story around these shoes or this bag or this hat, you know, or whatever it is. And it's, it, some people think fashion might be frivolous, but I don't, I think, I think it's a story that people tell and it's a way to connect. And then after that, I worked in corporate America for a little bit in PR and marketing. And then on the side, I was blogging, taking acting classes, you know, really sort of hustling. And I just got to the point in my own life where I was like, well, what is my personal purpose? Like, why is Candy Washington on this planet? Like, why am I here? And when I drilled that down, that's when I got to my personal purpose is to add value to the lives of others through storytelling. So that's how I chose that I wanted to spend the time that I'm blessed with on this earth. And that's when I was like, okay, well, it's not going to happen working for somebody else <laughs> in this cubicle and just continuously get promoted to a bigger cubicle. Um, so that's when I really got it in my head that I was going to quit this job and I was going to move to LA and I was going to make being a, at the time I didn't have the awareness that it was a content creator, but I had it in my mind that I was going to work for myself. And so that's sort of my trajectory. Right. And then I went to LA and then now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy how like we all have these different paths. And um, I think within our field of self-advocacy or mental health or self-awareness and, um, you know, giving back mm -hmm. to people around us, like it has to be this like thing that's kind of internal and we could talk about it as much as we want. And some people are like totally fine with living like yeah. the corporate lifestyle. That's just not our lifestyle as creators and actors. And, um, you know, I think with that mm -hmm. burdens a lot of scrutiny from the people that we love, maybe, especially when we take a risk, like starting our own business or founding a, our own company or, you know, doing a project that might be a little unconventional or taking a trip that, you know, maybe someone doesn't see as work, but to me, it is work. How have you dealt with those kind of pressures um, and relationships with people in your life, uh, kind of judging you or, you know, maybe like not understanding what you're doing? If you've done dealt with that. <laughs> yep. No, 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 absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to uh, first take a, a step back to put context to what you're saying. Cause I think what you're, I think it's a great question, but I want to sort of package it up a little bit. So I think, I think what it is, is that when we decide what we're going to do in our lives, and let's just talk about career, right? I think it goes down to authenticity. What is it that brings you personal purpose and satisfaction in the job that you do? You know, some people authentically, if they were a bus driver, they love doing their job. They find value in it. They know that they are picking people up. They're dropping people off. They're getting people from A to B. They're getting that person to their job. They're getting that person to, you know, to school or whatever it is. And they take that personal joy. And it's like, you know, when you see people who you might 
um, think, oh, that's just a mundane job, but they have a smile on their face and they do it with purpose and they do it with passion. That's because that is who they're showing up as their authentic selves. Just like you're saying, there are people who work like nine to five corporate jobs and they love it. They love that office, office job because they find their purpose and passion in it. And then people like us who are more creative, we find our purpose and passion in other things, you know, storytelling and creating and, and um, connecting on a different level. So I think it's really just about, um, are you doing what authentically fills up your cup and what authentically brings your joy, brings you joy? Because everybody's not built to be an entrepreneur. Everybody isn't built to be a creative. Every, and that's and everybody isn't built to work a nine to five job. It's finding out what were you uniquely built for, and then getting after the business and doing that with your life. So I think that's the first part. And then the second part of that is I think that a lot of people, unfortunately, are unable to connect what they're built for authentically with with the road of life that has probably been chosen for them rather than what they chose for themselves. And then when they see someone who is living authentically and doing what they were authentically built for, it bothers them because A, they're probably upset that they're not able to live out what they authentically were built for. And B, it also invalidates them. Because when you have self-validation and you have self-acceptance and you're like, this is the life I was built for and I'm doing me. When you see somebody doing something different or choosing a different road, it doesn't bother you because you've already validated yourself internally. Just like your name of your thing, everything you have is within. So if I validate myself, if somebody takes a different road, that doesn't make my road wrong and their road right. But if you have someone who's not self-validated, who's maybe took that, you know, society road, like, oh, I'm supposed to go to school, go to college, and then get this, you know, job in finance or whatever. And, but that's not actually what they're built for. That's not actually what their purpose and passion is. But then they see someone out here singing and dancing and drawing and creating. They get bothered by that because they think, well, this was the life I have. So I need to make my choices right. So then I have to make somebody else's choices wrong. And then that's when you get people who criticize. That's how, when you get people who, who diminish, that's when you get people who dismiss because it's ego-based. In order for my choice to be right, your choice must be wrong. But when you actually have um, a certain level of consciousness and spirituality and discernment and self-validation, you realize my road is my road and your road is your road neither is right or wrong. It just is when you get out of that mm-hmm. ego. So when I come across someone who I feel is being judgy or critical or dismissive of my life, I have compassion for that person because I think that person must have a lot of pain and a lot of loss and a lot of disappointment and resentment in their own life because people who are fulfilled in what they're doing do not have the need to make someone else less than in order to feel better about themselves. So that's Amen. How, so that's how I deal with it, with compassion. Right. I love that. You know, I really needed to hear that today. So yeah. if anybody else like needed to hear that nugget of wisdom, like please soak it all up because I think sometimes, you know, I'm 23 years old. Like I feel like I'm still a child sometimes. Um, and I feel like- Because you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel <laughs> like- the best. <laughs> I feel like yeah. a lot of people too can like kind of, at least in the past year, I've just realized like a lot of people can give 
themselves and other people a little more grace, but also like, what's the line between like, maybe like, Mm -hmm. okay, I I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but like standing up for yourself and setting boundaries and then like being disrespectful. And then also like, again, like I know we want to handle things with compassion, but for people that are so hurt and they can't really Mm -hmm. see um, maybe, you know, your point of view and only their point of view is right. Like, what would you do in that situation and how do you set up a boundary with those kinds of people? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I think it, I think it depends. Like if this is a person who I have to see, like say if it's a, a coworker or, you know, someone who there's an, a circumstance outside of myself where I have to see them, of course, you still want to create healthy boundaries with people at all times. But in that situation, I'd probably just keep it very surface just, hey, hi, bye, oh, the weather's cool, blah, 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 and not really talk about it. If it's someone that I don't have to interact with, like say it's just like a comment on my Instagram, somebody's just being a hater or a troll, block, delete, mute, I don't need to interact with that person. They don't deserve my energy, so I'm not going to give it to them. So that those are the people that I would just block, mute, not even give them the energy or the time of the day. If it's like a friend or an acquaintance or a family member, I would probably treat them the same way I did the coworker, but maybe with a little bit more leeway in the sense of, I would have that first initial conversation and it's be like, hey, you know, when you say these things, it makes me feel upset or sad or hurt or whatever it is, whatever feeling you have, it kind of makes me angry. It pisses me off a little bit. You know, whatever you're feeling makes me feel sad. I'm confused. Whatever you're feeling, I would just have that conversation with them and to say, hey, when you say these things, I'm not sure if it's your intention or not. That's why I just want to talk to you about it. But when you say these things, it makes me feel insecure about what I'm doing. It makes me feel kind of hurt. It makes me second guess who I, what I'm doing. And, and what I need right now is, is support. If you have something constructive to say, out of a good positive place, then when I'm ready to receive that, I will solicit your advice. However, Ooh. until until then, right? However, until then, I would rather that if you don't have anything positive to say about what I'm doing, let's talk about other things. Yeah. But I would give them if it again, if it's a friend, acquaintance, someone in your like life circle family member, I would give them the benefit of the doubt and the grace to have that conversation. Because you have to remember a lot of people like that they're operating from their own wounding. They're operating from their own trauma and from their own hurt. So they're Mm -hmm. probably projecting a lot of their own stuff onto you and they don't even realize it sometimes. Sometimes it's a very subconscious thing that they're doing. So they might not even realize the impact they're having. So if you know, if you're unsure if they're doing it intentionally or not, have that conversation where it's like, hey, when you say these cutting things or you say these dismissive things, it doesn't really make me feel good. And, and, and it's my intention for us to have a good, healthy relationship. So I just wanted to come to you and tell you that. And maybe that person will be like, oh my God, I had no idea. I'm, I was just venting. I'm so sorry. Like, I'll be mindful of that. It won't happen again. Or if the person really is just really nasty or whatever, maybe they will have an attitude, get defensive. It won't change. But then you, but then you know how to deal with that person. Because again, it is still up to us to communicate how someone is making us feel. And then how they respond to that, I think, determines the type of boundary we need to set with people. So I think you have that initial conversation. You see what their intentionality is, if they're willing to change, if they're willing to be mindful, and then you deal with them from there. And then I think another good thing to say is like, you know, when I want your advice, 
I'll ask for it until then don't give it. Cause that's something I do personally mm-hmm. where if, like, say for example, my friend calls me and she's upset about something. I preface the conversation with, do you want yeah. me to listen or do you want my advice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do the same thing. <laughs> Cause those are two different things. Yeah. So I, I, I had to get really good at not giving unsolicited advice. Right. Cause Cause I, like, don't want I feel it. like, <laughs> right. And, and sometimes I think something that, you know, I've realized recently is kind of like when you hear something that's like annoying that a friend does, you have to kind of look back at yourself and say like, Oh, well, do I do that? And when that kind of became like, the case mm-hmm. for me regarding unsolicited advice, I was kind of like, oh, I guess sometimes, you know, I would like, you know, tell a story about like something that in a way relates back to everything, but at the same time, it's not a matter of the problem. And that was like a moment where I was like, okay, G, like, you know, you have to kind of like work on just like listening. And so um, I think that's also a super powerful thing to do. And it's just like also super like, I think, like selfless and humbling to just be like, Hey, like, I know you're struggling right now. Like, what can I do for you? Like, do you want me to listen? Like, do you want me to give you advice? Do you want me to distract you? Do you want me to give you like a joke? Like, what is it that you want from me right now? And I think that's like what I need to do as friends. I also think on the other side of it, like asking for those things from a friend, you know, you call a friend and you're super upset. What, what exactly do you yeah. need? Do you need a story? Do you need distraction? Like whatever it is. Um, that's super important. Um, I'm seeing down here, this concept of kind of like people early on in their careers um, who are kind of like having to choose between mm-hmm. friends and career um, or your your family. And um, I, I honestly kind of agree with this. Like when I was in undergrad, I did actually have a lot of trouble with some of my friends because I, mm-hmm. I mean, and anyone that knows me, like I'm super, super quote unquote a go-getter, like whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, in my, <laughs> in my opinion, it just mm-hmm. means like you know, you're being super ambitious. You're kind of just like going for whatever the heck you want. Like you um, are fearless. Like you always get the job opportunities, but part of that and part of our industry is seeking them out. And I think that's like the really amazing thing that like, you know, you do too, is like we're self-made, like everything that we've done has been produced by our own motivation and our own self and people or friends for that matter, um, sometimes they get a little bit stuck behind because they end up getting jealous and their egos get hurt because you're doing something that they wish that they've done or, or could do. Um, and they don't, and they're lazy about it. And instead like mm-hmm. of addressing the problem or asking for help, they're just like angry at you for doing it. And unfortunately you have to leave some of those friendships. And that has honestly happened to me three times during college. And it's been sad because, you know, at one point in your life, you're like, I think that these college friends are going to be my best friends for life. They're amazing. And at the end of the day, like they're there for a couple of years and you're not really friends with them after that. I know this is like my unique case and a lot of people Mm -hmm. experience this, but I think it's so taboo to talk about kind of like the shadiness that can happen between friends when you start to get successful or when you start to pave your own path. Um, What's your advice to anybody dealing with that right now? My advice to that is I I don't think it's necessarily um, specific to being a go-getter or career. So I'll talk about friendship dynamics in general because I think it applies across the board. I think anytime you're in a new level of your life, you know, whether it's you are going after your career or you're trying to get super healthy 
physically or mentally or you know you're you're trying to show up differently in your romantic relationships i think anytime when you're at a, po- a certain point in your life where you make that decision to level up you inherently will have to leave some people behind or level back like when i was really sick i was dealing with friends not supporting right. me so that could be the polar opposite or when you're really struggling no or no, 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 no it's well, different it's let different? Me, yeah okay i'll let, let you go correct. It's okay. No, not level back because what I mean by level up, leveling up is is just when you get to a different level of consciousness, awareness, and where, and where you want to be in your life. And a part of leveling up, and I'll talk specifically about what you were just saying, would be, hey, I'm sick. I need to take a beat and take care of myself because that's a higher level of self-care. That's a higher level of... Um, knowing that you need to take care of yourself. Leveling back would be, I'm really sick, but I'm going to push through anyway because I'm not going to think about taking care of myself. I want to take care of everybody else and I can't be sick. I have to be the superhuman person, right? So what I mean by leveling up, I don't mean like um, making more money or going out and doing more stuff. By leveling up, I just mean that you're at a different level of consciousness in all aspects of your life, if that makes sense. So I think when you're in a good Anytime you're in that space or you're in a good spot in your life, I think that you have to take inventory of who you have in your life and what your habits are in that life. And then I, that go, and I definitely think that goes to friendships as well. Do these people inspire me and do I aspire to be like them? So those are two different buckets. So I think when we're assessing our friendships, think, does this person inspire me? Do they support me? Do they, are they my cheerleader? Um, Are they trustworthy? You know, are they genuine? Are they honest? Are they authentic? Like, is this an inspiring person? Is this someone that I can go to with my secrets and my fears and my trauma and all of that stuff? And I know that they're going to hold safe space for me. That's one bucket, right? You want people in your life who inspire you. They feed into you. And then you also right. make sure that you have friendships that of people who you can aspire to be like, right? Are these people, and this is going to that career go-getter stuff, right? Are these people out there making mm-hmm. stuff happen for themselves? Are they happy in their own lives? And if they're not happy, are, are they consciously on the path to becoming more happy and empowered and doing things to make their, their lives better? Do I aspire to be like them. And I think for me, those are really those kind of two criteria that I have for, for, for allowing anyone to stay in my life and to participate in my life and also for anyone to come into my life. So I think it's Mm -hmm. always good to do that. And then I think, um, and it sounds like those people who were having issues with you succeeding and shining and leveling up and taking care of yourself because taking care of yourself is a part of leveling up. When when you are taking care of yourself, it seems like they didn't fall into either of those buckets. They weren't inspiring you. They weren't supporting right. you. They weren't pouring into you. And then it didn't seem like they had the qualities that you would want to aspire to have. So it seems like that was just life, yeah. universe, God, whatever you want to call it, weeding out those people. And I'm going to tell you that right, happened. Right more. It's going to happen with your undergrad friends. It'll happen when you're in your mid twenties. It's going to happen when you're in Mm -hmm. your thirties and again and again and again, but it usually happens around those big life moments. You know, those big life Uh transitions that happen, you really, it's that opportunity to really take stock. 
And I know that um, sometimes ending friendships hurt. And you're right, we don't talk about it enough because it is a loss and there is a grieving process that has to happen. It's it's a lot Mm -hmm. like ending a a marriage or a A relationship relationship or boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, you you lose the potentiality. Like I thought we would be friends forever. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of, the fantasy dies. Uh-huh. And that is what Absolutely. you're mourning. You're mourning the fantasy of this friendship that you thought was one way and it wasn't. And you're mourning the fantasy of the friendship that you thought will last forever and it's not. And you have to go through the grieving process. We get angry. We bargain. We get in denial. We do all that stuff. We get depressed because it is a loss. It is a loss. It's a loss to lose a friend. And usually within friendship, when you lose a friend, there's some form of betrayal that happens. Yeah, absolutely. That is also a traumatic experience. You know, we talk about big trauma and little trauma, but that's Uh traumatic to lose a friend. And I don't mean death, you know, I'm talking about to lose a friendship. That is traumatic. And we have to mourn that loss properly. Um, But I also think we have to really take stock of who we have in our, in our lives, because you're only going to elevate to the level of your, of your sight, of your perception of who you have in your circle. You want to know right how you're going to be in five years look at the people around you Mm -hmm. I love that and I wanted um to ask another kind of follow-up question about the subject of jealousy um I think that that is you know something that is super difficult with self-care and bear with me I am in New York City so if you hear some sirens in the (laughs) back that is just like some ambiance that we got going tonight um also I think it's about time for a beverageino break so if you have a glass of water or a beverage or you know a snack nearby and you want to drink some water and now's the time I usually do these little breaks in my show because I think it's important to remind people to hydrate um so yeah hydration time um but yeah so okay um subject of jealousy um the reason why I want to talk about jealousy is because similarly to growing, you know, and let's talk about it from an internal perspective, like when we get jealous, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or we subconsciously get insecure. How can we kind of combat those feelings and use them to uh, grow from them instead of getting super angry or like talking shit or like doing something like kind of explosive when it comes to a friendship um, or a relationship or career moment? Um, I don't know. Does that, does that resonate with you at all? I, I'm not, I've never been a, a, a jealous person in that sense, but I, yeah. but I, but I do have some tools on how to deal with, to deal with jealousy in a, in a healthy way. Oh, that, actually share. I need to write that down. That's a good podcast episode. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just got inspired. Woohoo. Um, that's the goal. Definitely the goal. Okay. So I think to me, the way I think of jealousy, I think jealousy is a trigger. So, cause when we get right. triggered, we get angry, we get upset. We, you, you, you know, when you get, tri- you get you know triggers are so I think jealousy is a big trigger and so how I cope with all triggers is what is this trying to show me is it trying to show me a wound I haven't Mm. healed is it trying to show me um that I need to protect myself from something is it trying to show me a limiting belief that I still hold you know what is it trying to show me an insecurity that I have what is this jealousy trigger trying to show me 
and I'll just do a hypothetical, right? Say right. I say, uh, yeah, okay, let's do I say uh, I'm an actress and I have some friends and I see on Instagram that this friend that, you know, she's not a close friend, but just kind of like a good friend. I just kind of know her, but like not a bestie. And I see, oh my God, she booked this amazing new film with all these cool people. And I get super jealous and you know, what's going on in my mind. Well, why did she get that? Why didn't I get it? I'm more talented than she is. I'm prettier than her. I'm a better actress than she is. Well, she must've got it because of who her agent is. It can't be her talent. Right. Your mind just kind of starts to spin. I have to check that. And again, this is hypothetical. I have to check that. And, and I would say, well, why am I so bothered? Why am I so triggered? Why do I have to make her less than in order to make myself feel better in this moment? Oh, well, maybe I'm feeling like I'm not doing enough in my career. Maybe I feel like I should be further along than I am. You know, maybe I feel like I'm never going to make it. You know, maybe I'm feeling too fat. Maybe I'm feeling too thin. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm feeling too ugly. Maybe I'm feeling this. Maybe I feel like my agent isn't actually working as well as he should for me. Whatever it is, I'm going to write those down. And once I write those down, I'm going to look at them and be like, okay, well, what action can I take to improve this situation? Or what new belief can I introduce to my subconscious mind to override this limiting belief? So if my limiting belief is I'm never going to make it, maybe I need to change that into I know what is divinely meant for me will always be mine right on time. Or, you know, right. Or maybe if it's like, oh, my agent doesn't work enough for me. I don't have a good agent. Well, then maybe I need to email my agent and be like, hey, Bob, I don't know. Um, I haven't gone out in a while. Just wanted to see, like, do I need new headshots? Do I need to get a new acting class? Um, like, what's going right. on? Maybe I start looking for a new agent. Maybe I start being more proactive. And even though I have an agent, maybe I'm going to work harder on my own behalf. Maybe I'm going to go to some casting director workshops. Maybe I'm going to do some postcards. Mm-hmm. But what can I do, either mentally yeah. or through inspired action, to feel better about myself? from an internal standpoint, because it has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with how I feel about me and where I'm at in my life. So I Mm want to figure out what is this trigger trying to teach me. Then what I'm going to do, if I, if I feel jealous, what is it trying to, to teach me? The second thing I do is I send gratitude and thanks to that person, whether it's in my mind, whether it's actually, physically doing it like and by that I mean like but I would only do that once I did the internal work once I was actually able to because I don't want to say thanks to some or show congratulate or show gratitude to someone um if I don't authentically feel it if I'm still in that jealousy if I'm still in that anger if I'm still in my own insecurity I need to wait until I move through that so the energy in which I do it is actually clean if I'm actually going to do it to that person Mm. but yeah. And by that, I mean, in my mind, I would say like, oh, like, you know what? I'm so happy and grateful that my friend is succeeding. If she can do it, so can I. You know, I'm so I'm so happy and grateful that yes. there are so many roles out there for people just like me. Look, she did it. She booked it. That's great. You know, I'm so happy and grateful that my friend is doing well. Send gratitude. And, that's a, and, I, and that part, you do that to yourself. That's a mental, that's journal. That's speaking it, send gratitude. And then once you've moved through your own stuff and you're actually in a place where you can be happy for this person, 
That is when you get out your phone and you text them, hey girl, just saw that you booked that new movie. Congratulations. I cannot wait to watch it. That is how I would deal with jealousy. Mm -hmm. What is this trigger trying to teach and show me? What action can I take internally or externally to move to a better place Mm -hmm. of feeling? And then I need to show gratitude and, and congratulations to this person. Yeah. I think this is like, just like such a good way to reframe jealousy in general, because um, I think especially when we're like young and still like developing, or we just graduated college or just graduated Mm -hmm. high school. I mean, it's so easy to look at somebody and say, Oh my God, you know, I get this all the time. Honestly, like people are like, you have like your life together. Like it's so good. Like you're living my dream right now. And I'm like, bros, like there's so much that actually goes on behind the scenes, like in actual situations where I feel like people genuinely, I don't know if they're jealous or they're just kind of like expressing or projecting and saying like, you know, there's a lot um, about your life that seems really good to me, but people don't really like talk about that. And part of that has to do with like mental health struggles. Mm So um, I was just wondering, I know you mentioned your uh, production company. Can you talk a little bit about how you've incorporated like mental health awareness and spirituality into that um, as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way that I incorporate mental health awareness and spirituality and all of that stuff into my work is just that's thematically woven into the content that I create. So I uh, wrote and executive produced a film called Narcissist. And that was really about uh, mental health awareness when it comes to influencers. Like are influencers actually happy? You know, is all that glitter and is it really, is it really gold? You know, how does the pressure of, of fame and being scrutinized, how does that affect the mental health of these people that we sort of idolize and we don't, and we sort of dehumanize them because if you're idolizing someone, you're taking away their humanity. So how does that actually affect them? And then it also um, has the question of how does social media uh, affect the followers, right? The mental health of followers. If you have these people who are idolizing these people and they feel bad about themselves or less than about themselves, you know, or depressed or anxious or cyberbullying and all of those things, um, how does that affect them? And then who's actually responsible? Is the content creator responsible for how the follower feels? You know, are the parents of young followers responsible? Is the follower themselves responsible? Like where does a responsibility lie? with content that comes out there that can be detrimental to somebody's uh mental health so and then and then also my podcast it's a self-care podcast so all of it is about you know mental health being your most empowered version of yourself but in a very um real way it's like a real conversation it's like listen it's one two three it's this this and this it's you know it's not like uh, pushing like frou-frou right. stuff or anything like that. It's like very, you know, practical tools that you can listen to it. And then once you're done listening to it, you can actually get up and implement that stuff like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I always talk about kind of like this process of creating conversations about difficult things. And once you've spoken about them, it gives you the opportunity to problem solve. And once you have that solution, it's up to you to implement it, like you're saying. So I think that it's super, super awesome. And we obviously need more content like this um, out there, especially as um, you never know, like, I think I, I let me just like take take a step back in terms of like sometimes I feel like some people sure 
um, even like myself, like have blocks of like, I don't know if this content's really going to help someone or like, you know, in the whole imposter syndrome of, you know, the voice in your head telling you like, no, like it's not going to work. Um, it's, you know, not good enough. There's a million podcasts out there, but I think if it helps one other person just in whatever format it is, if it's people listening to this right now, if it's podcasting, if it's posting it on Instagram, right? Like somebody's going to see it and you're going to impact their life, hopefully in a positive way. There's no reason why we should be doing anything negative. Like you said, in this time here on earth, like we have um, very limited time here. We might as well make it good. We might as well make an impact. And um, I think it's just so amazing to see your journey and also um, just like in being a creator in owning a company and being an entrepreneur and being an <laughs> actress, you. like how do you juggle all of that? Because, you know, you've been doing this much longer than I have. Um, and I really look up to you and ad- again, admire you. Um, you're one of those people like in my life that I Thank am you. super excited to have um, as a role model of like, here's what can come of some, you know, seeds that we've planted um, after they've been watered for years and years and years. So um, can you just talk a little bit about like your mental health journey and growing with like acting and then also just like managing everything and how you do that, like on a personal level? Um, Because sometimes, again, I feel like with social media, there's this facade of like, we're okay all the time. And we're doing this like girl boss shit. And, you know, we're managing all these things. And we have all these interns and these companies and these projects. And like, it looks fine. But like, really, we're not doing fine like no one's asking us how we actually are um so how like how are you like Mm -hmm. tell us like how you manage all these things what that looks like for you as an entrepreneur etc yeah so for me um the way I manage it (laughs) this is gonna sound a little I, I don't know if it's gonna sound trivial but I I've gotten so crystal clear on minding my own business and what I mean by that is like, I mean, it, there's nothing that gives me more inner peace than minding my own business. Right. And I really just focus on like my eyes on my paper. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, how, like, how do I feel? What work am I doing? And then when I see, and then I, I, th- I think also I, ha- I have a healthy perspective on things. So when I see someone on Instagram or it's like the girl boss and they have interns and they're like, we're the number one for women empowerment, blah, 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 whatever it is, right? I, I have the perspective of knowing that is a curated feed. It's a highlight reel. It's, it's not reality and it shouldn't be. I don't think that I personally, my personal perspective is I don't think Instagram and social media should be reality because it's not. It's pixels on your phone. It's an app. That's all it is. And I think that reality should be reality. And I think that we should switch our expectation of thinking that an app on our phone is supposed to show us what reality is. And I think that is the one yeah. of the biggest problems is that we've conflated an app on our phone with reality and we've conflated an app on our phone on how uh, on how we think our life in reality should actually manifest and look so I think I have a really good perspective that I'm looking at Instagram and it's just an app it's just people posting photos and videos they're photoshopped they're curated they're writing a narrative that they want to put out there so it's like I don't watch a television show and then I think well how come my life doesn't look like 
the Simpsons, the, the Simpsons or whatever, I don't know, whatever <laughs> I'm watching. You know what I mean? Because it's not. It's somebody sat there and they drew something. Somebody sat there and they wrote it and then they put it out there. And to me, that's kind of how I look at Instagram. Like somebody took yeah. that photo, cropped it off. Somebody wrote that caption. Like I'm not actually, it's not reality. So I think I kind of have a healthy separation from it. And I don't look to Instagram to see how I should be living in my reality. I look to Instagram, sure, for inspiration, sure, for connectivity, sure, to create an online community. Absolutely. But it reminds me of something where, uh, you know, back when we had more in real life, uh, you know, events and everything. And I was speaking on this panel um, about content creation and monetizing and being an influencer and all that fun stuff. And the moderator asked me, she goes, oh, wow, you must be really passionate about social media. And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) I said, Mm. social media is where I share my passion. So that I think that is the biggest thing. Social media is a tool. And I think we forget that. You have to use social media as a tool. I share my passion. I create community through Instagram. Instagram (laughs) doesn't do that to me. You have to use it as it's just a tool. And that's, I, and I think it's having that perspective on it. And then for my, and then for my own uh, mental health journey, journey, I've always been a pretty uh, even killed, calm, pretty good person. For me, it was more of codependency stuff, like not being to to do uh, a lot of boundaries with people feeling like I had to be a yes person, a people pleaser perfectionism, like all of that stuff. So to me, it was more around like that codependency stuff, codependency stuff where it was more like had a really hard time saying no, I had a really hard time pushing back, I had a really hard time prioritizing my own well-being. And that was what really set me off on my own uh, mental health journey. And I was just like, well, why do I feel like I can't say no to someone? Why do I feel like this person matters more than I matter? You know, that's not true, right? I matter equally or as much because it's me. And I feel like everyone should feel like that about themselves. And I really got to the point in my life where my well-being is my first and best priority, not not to the detriment Mm -hmm. of other people. But there is a thing called healthy selfishness, where it's I'm going to put my mask on Mm -hmm. first before I put somebody else's mask on up. I'm going to fill my cup before I fill anybody else's cup. The overflow of my cup is for you. What is in my cup is for me. And I think really taking care of yourself in that aspect. And you're talking about like content, right? Like, oh, it's just another podcast. It's just another Instagram post. Like, who's this really going to affect? And I think it gets back to you, you, you are your best priority. Sometimes I post something and it's literally just for me. It was a quote I needed to hear. It was three tips and reminders that I needed for myself. It was a reflection on something I had gone through. So it doesn't. Sure. You always, you, you want to be in service of others. You want to add value to lives of others. Sure. That's great. Macro level. However, micro level, does this actually fulfill me? And if that is a yes, that is enough. You don't always have to serve and, 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 and influence and inspire all of these people. If one person likes it, then it's great. No, if you like it, then it's great. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. we forget sometimes 
to add ourselves into the equation. Sometimes we think in order to validate what we're doing, we kind of have to sandwich it up with being in service of and philanthropy and community and all of that stuff because it sounds better. Like, oh, we're doing, we're philanthropy, we're this, we're that, da, 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 da. Because for some reason, we're conditioned to think that doing it for yourself is wrong or bad or evil. But I think we have to shift that and doing it yeah. for yourself, I think has to be the first reason why you do it. And then, and yeah, then what I'm, is left over after that is for everybody else. Right, right. I, um, there's something that you said kind of earlier. Oh, fuck. I wish I had a notebook with me. I sh- totally should have. Um, about specifically, like, the way no, that, okay. um, you know, you have to be uh, selfishly, what was it? Selfishly selfish? Positively selfish? Something like that? You said something like that? Oh, I said, um, uh, there's, there's healthy healthy selfishness, right? I think, um, you know, when I was at one of my lowest points dealing with a lot of my health uh, problems, I was doing a lot of this healthy selfishness thing and people kind (laughs) of took it the wrong way. And, um, I was staying in my own lane, focusing on me. I was kind of like going out with the mindset of like, it's none of my business, what other people think of me. Like right now I just need to focus on my health and making it through and, um, you know, just like keeping my head above water. And I think is that the same goes for mental health when we're dealing a lot with um, things that we, we struggle with specifically our relationship to friends, family, and the communities that we built online. Um, Part of, part of that comes, I think from like, or part of the healing has to come from again within. Um, But it's also about like, just realizing like, oh, okay, like this person makes me feel a certain way or this person's not supporting me. Or um, like we said before, like we have to use the platform, not let the platform kind of use us or cultivate, um, you know, our our emotional responses, whatever those mm-hmm. may be. Um, and you were saying something so, so beautiful also about how you use the platform to share your passion and like you use social media that way. And um, exactly. I think I do it as well, because I always use it as a tool um, to reach certain audiences so that I can speak to people in person and um, have genuine conversations that educate people about like distancing themselves, quite frankly, from social media and like how they can use it as a tool for their business and not like kind of succumb to the darkness that it really is (laughs) created um, within in algorithms, quite frankly. Um, So I think that's also just super Mm -hmm. important. Um, I know we're coming up in like the last 10 minutes or so here. I wanted to ask a couple more questions um, specifically about like your acting career. Um, Like one, I want to know how that's been kind of like portraying different characters and how that's affected you know you I I know that's like the whole point of acting but like how does that affect you know candy um as an individual and does that you know give you energy or does it give you like really like difficult uh emotions and and all those things that go with that and um as a I'll let you answer that first actually Okay. Yeah. No, I'm um, portraying other characters. I think it's, it's always just a lot of fun for me. And I always just like to, I was thinking about this today, like the number one rule of acting or storytelling in general is you never judge the character. You always find the humanity in that character. And, and the way you find the humanity is you remember that people never think they're bad. <laughs> you know, so if I'm doing a, a role that I think is a little bit more questionable, I'm like, well, these, this person doesn't have the ethics I have, or I would never really do this. I have to remember that 
this is a, a created character and how can I get into the psyche and mind of someone who could justify this? We can always justify everything, right? So I kind of like getting into the psyche of characters and humanizing them in a way that if someone is watching it, that they can, they can think, yeah, well, I totally understand why they did that. Or that's totally happened to me before. So to me, the most fun of acting is adding that uh, human element into it. And then also kind of adding my uniqueness to it. Like, how would I say this? But how would I say this under these given circumstances if they were real? As the character. So I kind of love that. Just really remembering to never judge the character, bring my authentic experience to it and be able to create a character that people can see themselves in or see someone else in that to me, that makes it believable and that makes it, and that makes it real. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of fun to, to do that. I love that. I, I think acting is so beautiful and, um, you know, the ability to tell stories like you were talking about in the beginning is I think one of the most, um, iconic and uh, honestly community driven things that we can do as people. I mean, we're here on this earth, the way we communicate is by telling stories, whether they're uh, nonfiction or fiction, right? Or uh, I think that's just kind of, you know, what life is is about in terms of um, like, the way that we function. So I, I so admire you for doing it in a positive way. Um, The last question I wanted to ask you is uh, what's your favorite mantra or uh, saying that keeps you going? Uh, obviously, mine is, you know, everything you need is within. Um, what is, is one that you live by? I have a couple. Is that okay? Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm really big on self-talk. So whenever I find myself being negative towards myself, I stop and I say, I love you, Candy. And then I say back, I love you too, Candy. And that just always grounds me. And that reminds Aww. me that I am the first person who is worth my own compassion, grace, forgiveness, love, comfort, support, all of the yummy things. So when I find myself being like, oh God, like why, like, why did I do that? Oh, like, you know, just like whatever, whatever negativity comes up for me. If I walk by a mirror and I'm like, oh my God, my thighs or like whatever, you know, whatever that, like those, that nasty inner critic comes in, I stop it. And I say, I love you, Candy. And I say, I love you too, Candy. And that just reminds me to be my own best friend. And then um, Mm. let's see here. One thing that I also say is, um, oh, everything that comes to pass is for my highest and greatest good. So that way, even if I, in that Mm. moment, my limited perception, my limited consciousness perceives it as a no, a negative, a failure or something bad happening and not going my way. It reminds me that this is just a moment. It is not the end. You know, right. it's, it's it's just a part of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. So whatever comes to pass on this journey, in the end, it will be in service of my highest and greatest good, whether or not I understand how right now. It's not my job mm-hmm. to understand how this right. will work out for me. It's my job to know that it will. Uh, right. We're doing it for the plot. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think those are uh, uh, my two best ones. I have I have a new one that I started doing. Um yeah, it's, tell um, us. What is it? Oh, okay. So I use the word God, not in any particular religion, but just the most uh-huh. like 
source, energy, love, you know, divinity. So when I say God, I'm not talking about a particular religion. Right. But um, okay. I say, thank you, God, for removing anyone and anything that does not serve the highest and most mm. abundant version of who I am and who I am becoming. Because mm. that is the person that I live in service to. The person that I live in service to is the highest, most empowered version of me. What is the next level of candy? Mm. What does she look like? What is she doing? Because this level of candy needs to act accordingly in order to bring in her. That's with that's sort of, you know, the concept of act as if, um, or like even like as simple as just dress for the job that you want. That's really the mentality mm. of it. Have a clear vision right. of the woman or the man or the person that you want to become and then make your decisions, make your habits in service of becoming that person, serve that person. So if I want, so if I see myself, you know, now I'm doing this stuff, but I, but I know I have goals to bring my company to this other level. I know I have goals to expand and that mm. what does the version of me have to do today in order to become the version of who I see myself being. So that is who I actually act in service of that person. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. And I, also really think, you know, you truly do have everything you need to get forward. It's just a matter of like, you're saying tapping into it and doing everything that you can that's in your power and just like surrendering and accepting like, you know, here's, here's some things that I genuinely need help with. How can I do that? Are there resources that I can tap into? Are there people in my life I yeah. could talk it, talk to about it? Can I just go for it and hope it works out? You know, can I send a cold email? Can I, you know, match with some random guy or go on a random date or, um, you know, call some random person for coffee and can that be something that leads to a, uh, amazing conversation that leads to a business lead or a job or, you know, a next like love or something. Like, I think there's so many things that you yeah. just have to like let go. And um, when you let go of that control, it really does let the universe or God or whoever you look up to in the sky or um, whoever's, you know, <laughs> the almighty, whoever's above, um, again, not related to any religion or anything, but just in spirituality uh, kind of context of like, just giving it into their hands and just trusting that whatever you're doing is your path. And, um, you know, we, do, we really do have this like one life and there's no reason why we should resist like, like anything, like, the, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you, you, you don't want to live in resistance to the flow of your life. You want to know that life is happening for you, not to you. But I wanted to address this comment and discussion from Lucas Nelson. Mm -hmm. He said the little bad guy in your head is sometimes correct. Dot, dot, dot. Um, that, mm -hmm. That is true if you believe it to be true. That's, I think, I think yeah. just, Lucas, I'm not sure where you are on your own personal journey, but it seems like the whole point of learning how to love yourself, learning how to have um, healthy, like a good mental health, learning how to create your life rather than have your life happen to you is knowing that your belief system is what actually manifests in your life. So if you're saying this little bad guy in my head is correct, then for you, they are correct. But if you're saying this little bad guy in, in, in my head, they're not correct. I am the thinker of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I decide. So yeah. if you say the little bad guy is right, then yeah, they're right. But if you say they're not, then they're not. 
And a good way to right. do that is to like what I said before, think about what are these self-limiting beliefs that I have? What are these little inner critics saying? And then how am I going to rewrite that script? So the things that I actually want mm-hmm. become my belief system. And what I believe is what actually shows up in my life because what you believe is what you assume, it's what you expect and it's what you manifest. Because that's why mm-hmm. it's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. You could say all day long, I want to be healthy, I want to be happy, I want to be wealthy, blah, 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 blah. But if you internally in your mind do not believe that you are worthy of these things, then what you will self-sabotage and experience in your life in your life will show up to prove you right. Right. So whether you believe you're worthy, what will show up will will reinforce that worthiness or if you believe you're not worthy then what will show up will reinforce that thought it's a self-fulfilling process prophecy so that way you can say see I was right I knew I couldn't get that I knew I, I knew I wasn't good enough for that see I was right you're you want you're you're trying you're constantly trying to prove yourself right so our job our work is to consciously decide what our belief system is because what shows up in your life yeah. is going to prove you right. So mm-hmm. that is what it's yeah, really about. I agree. So Lucas, I would really work on your mindset. I would really work on your self-esteem. I would really work on your, your self-talk. Because to me, that question really shows that there's still some self-limiting beliefs that you might have to work through to get to the place where you actually believe that you are worthy and deserving of anything and everything that you want in this world. Because you are you are worthy and deserving. Mm -hmm. You just have to remember that. And then it's your work to believe it. Right. Yeah. I, um, funny enough, Candy, I posted a picture on Instagram today specifically about my uh, limiting beliefs of eating, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of like how I used to have some disordered thoughts, I would say about, uh, (laughs) my relationship with food. And I really used to not want to eat greasy food. Like I was fearful of it. I was scared of eating. I was scared of eating too many French fries because I would be bloated or whatever. And, um, recently I've transitioned into eating plant-based. So, you know, I don't eat any, like anything, not plants basically. Um, and with that, I realized like, you know what, like, I mean, also, by the way, this has been like two or three years of healing at this point of my relationship with food, but um, I realized I'm going to get bloated no matter what. And if I had that little guy in my head telling me, no, you can't eat junk food, even if it is uh, plant-based, like, you know, whatever, like, then I I wouldn't do that. And my disordered eating habits could come back or they could trigger something else, another unhealthy habit for me. But instead I said, you know what? I'm just going to eat it because I'm going to bloat no matter what. And life is too short to criticize our body for the way it freaking processes food, goddamn. (laughs) And uh, I'm just going to enjoy it and eat the French fries and do it with my friends. And what's going to happen is going to happen. And is it something that, you know, I could, could I make a slightly healthier choice? Probably. Am I eating this kind of junky, you know, burgers and fries that are plant-based every day? No, I'm eating it once in a blue moon. So is it okay that I get a little bloated from it? Absolutely. Um, So yeah, anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny because I had that kind of negative self-talk around eating a freaking, you know, veggie burger and French fries. And I uh, decided why am I being so hard on myself? Like we only have one life. If I want to eat the burger, the ice cream or the cake, like whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I had the same kind of 
debacle around Halloween. And I feel like it's going to come up again with Thanksgiving and um, with Christmas, because, you know, there really is a lot going on with our relationship with food and everything. And I feel like this could be an entirely like other episode, which will be coming in the near future. So stay tuned people. But um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Eat it if you want, but eat it if yeah. You want. But you know, one thing I do around food um, and like, yeah, food slash body image is a, I really do believe that like the energy we put out is what comes back. So if I, if I'm constantly saying I shouldn't eat this, this is bad for me, then that's what's going to happen. Right. Like I'm a really big believer in that because you have the, mm-hmm. you have some people who say like, oh, I can eat whatever I want and I never gain weight. And sure enough, eat whatever they want and they never gain weight. And then you have some people who are like, oh my God, I always have to diet. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I'm being so bad. I'm being so this. They're like punishing themselves. So then of course the mind makes the body. So if you're punishing yourself mentally and emotionally and spiritually, then of course that's what your body is going to show up. Because again, you always want to prove yourself right. So that's what's going to show up in your life. One thing that I did to do that with myself was I really wanted to cultivate a loving relationship with my body. So a couple Mm -hmm. things I do with that, I don't know how much time we have, but I could walk however much we want. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll I'll walk through um, some stuff with like body image because I struggled with that as well. Um, Not to an extreme, but definitely, definitely struggle with that. I think 99% of women, if we're being honest, have, Mm -hmm. but um, so one thing I did to cultivate a loving relationship with my body was when I wanted to eat something, regardless of what it was, I would say, I trust my body to use this for its, for, for its highest good. So if I'm eating Oreos, mm. if I'm eating a salad, you know, I'm just, I, I trust my body to use whatever I consume for its highest good. I trust my body that when I eat this Oreo, it's going to use the sugar to, you know, energize me and it's going to, and it's going to release anything that doesn't serve me. If I'm going to eat this salad, it's going to take the nutrients and then it's going to release anything that doesn't serve me. I trust my body to use what I consume for its highest good and release anything that isn't, you know, and release the rest. I'm going to trust my body to do what God, nature, whatever you want to call it, created it to do your body is smart your body knows what it needs right Mm -hmm. so why am I trying to punish restrict and dictate how my body is going to operate I'm going to trust my body yeah and and then when you start trusting your body your body is going to tell you oh you know what candy you're not hungry you're thirsty drink some water oh you know what candy you actually kind of need some red meat you need that iron you know we need to get that in our flow you know what, Candy, we don't need that car- those carbs today. Let's eat the salad. You know what, Candy, we need some carbs. You know, let's get some pasta going because that's going to set us off, mm-hmm. right? That is when you get a relationship right. between your intuition and your body and your mind so that you're listening mm-hmm. to your body rather than dictating to your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. You yeah. trust your body to tell you what it needs. Sometimes you do need that chocolate. Sometimes you do need that ice cream. You know, sometimes you do need that, but you trust your body to know when you need it and how much, because that's the problem we have. We either overeat or undereat, but can you trust your body that it will tell you what to eat and how much to eat and when to eat? Trust your body. That's one thing. Another thing I did was I started to practice radical self-acceptance and this is really hard I would look I look in the mirror and the reality of the situation is I have a 
a very normal, healthy body. No, like no, in reality, no problems. And my distorted thinking, my unhealthy thinking, my unhealthy relationship to myself, I look in the mirror and I think, God, my arms are jiggling. Oh, why do I have this like, you know, that little bit of like skin hang over my jeans? Oh, you know, why? Like all these little crazy wackadoodle things going on, right? So what mm-hmm. I love that you just said wackadoodle. <laughs> these wackadoodle things going on. <laughs> well, I had to check myself. And again, it went back to gratitude. Mm -hmm. Instead of hating my body and picking at it, how about I thank it and love it? How about I say, thank you, body, for housing my soul? Because there's a reason why it says your body Mm -hmm. is your temple. Because your your body is a temple and it's a temple of your soul. So I say, thank you, body, for housing my, 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 my soul. And then whatever is going on, I'm like, thank you, arms. You help me lift things. You know, thank you, stomach. You help me digest things. Oh, look at that little roll. Isn't it cute? Oh, you know, like, thank you, thighs. Thank you, legs. Thank you, whatever. Like, I'm just so happy and grateful. Like, thank you, body. Thank you, body. I mean, to like, even the stuff that I was hating, I would thank it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Because I wanted to get to the point where I, where my real, it's always the relationship to things. I wanted a loving relationship. I wanted a compassionate relationship. I wanted an accepting relationship to my body. And when I started to shift how I felt about my body, my body then started to shift. <laughs> and what I'm telling you, yeah. when I stopped resisting who I was supposed to be authentically. Again, and authentically is just how I'm supposed to be. When I really got my intention to be, I want to look the highest, most empowered version of me. That is when my body started to shift naturally. And that's Mm -hmm. when I could eat something and not gain the weight. I could go for a walk and have it be do this or do that or do whatever. I would see that my stomach looked different. And I started to like love my arms. I started to love my body because it was me. And I stopped thinking that I had to look like anything other than me. When I said how I am is enough, that is when everything shifted and changed. And that Mm -hmm. is when you step into your authentic power. When you know that who you are is enough, when you know how you look is enough and you're not comparing and wanting and this thing and that and tweaking and sucking and tucking and injecting and all of that stuff. That is when you truly step into your power. And then it becomes an energetic magnetism. That's why you see some people who are a size double zero and they may have model looks, but they just don't appear to be attracted at all. And then you could have somebody who's a size eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and they just have this magnetism, this this energy about them, right? Right. Because we're yeah. not all meant to look the same. We are unique No, absolutely beings. not. And when you step into who who was I built to be? Who was I created to be? What does, what does candy look like? What does Gigi look like? What do, what, what, what do we feel like? Who are we? And when you get curious about who you're supposed to be rather than comparative about how everybody else is, that is when you step into your authentic power. And that is when you truly become unstoppable. Mm -hmm. I think everything you just said is so, so important. And I, 
I'm trying to even comprehend this idea of like letting our body dictate what we need at certain times. And um, I think there could be such a bigger conversation about that. Also, including, you know, someone like a dietitian in your life, especially if you do have disordered habits or um, seeking out, you know, therapy, if you are realizing you have a relationship with your body where you're like, you know, one of of the biggest things I will always talk about is the way that, uh, you know, in the, in the past year or two, there have been such an increase in here's what I do to lose weight or here's what I eat in a day to, you know, Mm -hmm. lose 20 pounds. And that's when you start to compare yourself and you start to follow somebody else's routine and habit to look a certain way, but it's not going to work for you. Because like you said, we're not meant to all look the same. Our bodies need different things at different points in our life. So um, I just think that's super, super beautiful. And if you are somebody that is struggling with your body image or your relationship with food, definitely consider seeking out help. And you can always send me a DM. Um, I am probably going to say send a DM to Candy as well, if that's okay. And hopefully one of us can uh, guide you in the right direction when it comes to that. But um, I do kind of want to wrap it up here, but Candy, (laughs) this has been amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you. I know they could simply just Google your iconic (laughs) name, Candy Washington, um, and you could see everything, but uh, I'll let you tell everyone uh, what kind of ways you would like to be supported and or looked up to. Absolutely. So definitely find me on Instagram. It's at Candy Washington. Give me a follow, shoot me a DM, and I would absolutely love to connect with you. You can also find uh, my podcast, Sugar Pills, A Practical Guide to Self-Care. You can find it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Audible, really wherever you listen Mm. to podcasts, you can find that there. Um, you can also go to my website, which yeah. is CandyWashington.com, and that has a bunch of other resources and other things. Mm-hmm. You can watch my film, which is Narcissist, on Amazon Prime Video and also on SoFi TV. And, oh, YouTube. I've actually really started getting into started doing YouTube. And over on YouTube, it's all about self-care meets pop culture. So if you kind of want to get a little ratchet and talk about, Ooh. you know, the Real Housewives of Beverly <laughs> Hills, that's what we do. And then I also do self-care sessions over there. So you can find me on YouTube. Again, that's just uh, Candy Washington over on, on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Candy's just a badass and she has all of these amazing (laughs) endeavors and she's just super cool and super spiritual and amazing. Um, But Candy, thank you so much for, uh, you know, coming on tonight, crossing paths with me. And um, I can't wait to collaborate more in the future and hopefully meet you in the near future. Um, And I'm just so grateful for your time and your energy and all of the insight and wisdom you gave to us tonight. I cannot wait to edit it and get this episode up again. Thank you, everyone. This is everything you need is within. Uh, Have a lovely rest of your day, your evening, your morning, whatever time of day it is in the world. I hope you truly uh, found something valuable from this episode. And uh, if you want any resources, uh, they will all be linked in the description. So make sure that you check that out. Thanks again. Good night.